Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see you all here. Appreciate you setting your clocks ahead and getting here at the right time. And uh, we'll probably have some folks wandering in here in a few minutes, so treat them nicely. But for the grace of God, it could have been us. Uh, welcome to part seven of our Refreshing Relationship series. And today we're talking about life-shaping conversations. Uh, how do you have conversations that refresh your relationships uh, rather than conversations that uh, tear down or damage your relationships? So much of your success and satisfaction in life is determined by how well you communicate with other people. Uh, your relationships, uh, your family, your career, even your income, uh, all of these things are impacted by two basic communication skills, uh, listening and speaking. And uh, I think this is especially true in the area of parent-child uh, relationships. Uh, if you're going to be an effective parent, you've got to develop two skills, the skill of listening and the skill of speaking. And so today as we go through this, I'm going to focus on the parent-child relationship in this regard. Uh, if you don't have kids, this will apply to anything and you can make the leap to whatever situation you're in. But we, I want to talk to you today about how to listen so kids will speak and how to speak so kids will listen. Uh, it's two sides of the same coin, uh, two sides of the same outline. So take out your outlines, uh, here, here we go. Uh, uh, can you hear something and not really listen to it? Can you hear something and not really listen to it? The obvious answer is yes. I mean, I, I have eyes while I'm preaching. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and that also happens in high school math class. Uh, I can testify to that. that you know, there's a difference between hearing and, and listening. And so we're going to do a quick survey of what the Bible says uh, about listening today. And just for fun, we're going to use an acrostic of the word listen, L-I-S-T-E-N. So here's how you listen. Uh, L is you look at them with love. Look at them with love. Great communication starts with love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love... I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. And, uh, and I was wanting uh, at this point just to make the sound of a rusty gate, but, but it just really is obnoxious. <laughs> I told you. But God says that, that words without love sound like a squeaky gate. And the more eloquent your words are without love, the more irritating the words become. And so you know, I, I've been fortunate, very fortunate, to train hundreds, I've never added it up, it may even be over thousands of, of pastors uh, around the world. And pastor after pastor will come up to me and say, I just love to preach, as if I'm gonna get excited about that. Uh, but the truth is, a guy can love to preach just because he likes to hear himself talk. 
And so the, the question I always have for them is not do you love to preach, it's do you love the people that you preach for? And not to, but for. Do you love the people? Because when you communicate, you got to do it with love. And that's especially true with your kids. Now, how, how do you communicate love in a conversation? Uh, well, you communicate it with your eyes. With your eyes. I mean, have you ever looked at somebody and, and, and they weren't loving you at that moment and you could see it in their eyes? <laughs> you know, have you ever looked at somebody who was loving you at that moment and you could see it in their eyes? I mean, uh, you, you know, you, they don't have to say a word. You just know by the way they're looking at you. And to have life-shaping conversations with a kid, you've got to look at them. Look at them in love. Uh, you know, too many of our conversations ha happen with the back of our heads. Either we're busy doing something and talking to the kid and he's over here, or we're talking to him and he's looking over there or looking down at this. And, and there's got to be a moment when, when you either get down on their level or lift them up to your level and you make eye contact and you look at them uh, with love. Uh, Jesus uh, modeled this for us in Mark 10, 21. It says, a young man came to Jesus with a question. The Bible says, Jesus felt genuine love for the man as he looked straight at him. Uh, Jesus looked and he loved. He looked and he loved. Now, Proverbs 20, 12 says, ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. And notice he doesn't say anything about the mouth in that verse. You know, the, the eyes and the ears are uh, probably more important in communication even than the mouth. You know, God gave you two eyes, two ears, one mouth. We need to act accordingly. And uh, the biggest problem in communication is we talk too much and we don't listen and look enough. Second skill the I and listen, is invest as much time as needed. Invest as much time as needed because you can't listen well in a hurry. Great listening takes time. Uh, I love the example of this in, in Job. It's in uh, Job chapter 2. Uh, Job's a, a man in the Old Testament, very godly man, very wealthy man, had a large family. One day he lost everything. He lost his wealth, lost his health, lost his family, lost everything uh, except his wife. And when Job's three closest friends uh, heard of the tragedy that Job had suffered, uh, they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. And the Bible tells us, and they sat on the ground with Job silently for seven days and nights. And no one said a word, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. They practiced the ministry of presence. Uh, you know, the deeper the pain someone has, uh, the fewer words uh, you use. And, and notice how many days Job's friends sat on the ground with him. Seven days and seven nights. You know, do you have anybody in your life who'd sit on the ground with you for seven days without saying anything? I mean, that, that, that's a mature uh, person. That's the mark of a true friend, to just be there and listen. Uh, you know, you invest as much time as needed because you can't listen in a hurry. Uh, you just have to be there. And when it's the right time, they'll, they'll say something. When it's the right time, you'll be able to say something too. 
So you look at them with love and then you invest as much time as needed. You know, adults tend to put a higher value on words than on time. You know, we want to say the magic word. We, we want to say the thing that's going to make things better quickly. But kids put more value on time than they do on words. They would rather spend time with you than have you just spout some bromide, some snappy words of wisdom. And so time spent with your kids is an investment, and the greater the time, the greater the investment. The S in listen is share their feelings, not your solution. Share their feelings, not your solution. And you, know, you can have a conversation with a kid who's had a bad day at school, and one of the problems with parents is, is we want to fix things. Uh, we want to be the fixer. But God wants you to, to do something before you're the fixer. God wants you to be the feeler, the feeler. Uh, you know, feel their pain before you fix their problem. And a child, a teenager, will come with a problem, and the first thing we want to do is we want to fix it. Or worse yet, we want to just convince them that it's not really a problem. Eh, it's no big deal, just get over it. But it is a big deal to them. And, and they place a higher value on you sharing their feelings than they do on you fixing their problem. And men in particular, husbands, fathers, uh, we're, we're fixers. But our kids and our wives uh, need us to be feelers before we fix the problem. You know, we want to be fixers. They want to feel loved. And that's, that can be foreign uh, to us guys because sharing feelings is a learned behavior. But as foreign as the behavior is, it's important that we learn it. Uh, Proverbs 18.13 says, Anyone who answers quickly without listening is both foolish and insulting. And so they come with a problem, and we jump in and we fix the problem, and then they react negatively to us when we fix their problem. And, and we're surprised by that, maybe even wounded and hurt by, and upset by their reaction. I mean, why did you respond negatively when I fixed your problem? And the reason is, is because they view our quick fix as foolish and insulting. Because we didn't share their feelings before we fixed the problem. So you've got to share their feelings, not your solution. A great example of this is, is found in the death of Lazarus. Lazarus was uh, a man in the New Testament. He was actually a friend of Jesus. He and his sisters, Mary and Martha, had a house in Bethany, a suburb, uh, exurb actually, just outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus loved to go to their house and, and visit them and hang out there. And so they were great friends. And um, one time Jesus was, he was a half a day away from Bethany. And he gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick, really sick, like he's sick unto death, sick. And Jesus is half a day away, but it takes him three days to get there. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus uh, has been dead and buried. And the disciples are confused. They're like, why did it take Jesus so long to get there? Because Jesus didn't want to just heal Lazarus. He wanted to raise him from the dead. Uh, you know, Jesus had a plan. He knew what he was going to do. He, he knows the solution before Lazarus even gets sick. But when Jesus shows up three days late, and by this time Lazarus is buried in a tomb, uh, Mary, uh, Lazarus' sister, comes out, falls at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
Lord, you could have healed him, and now he's dead. And so Jesus sees Mary, he sees Martha, he sees other family and friends standing there, uh, weeping and grieving. And John eleven thirty five says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Yet it's one of the most powerful verses because it tells us Jesus cared. Jesus had compassion uh, on these people. He, he's feeling their hurt, their pain. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead in just a few minutes. He knows that this whole thing is going to shift from, from a grieving weep fest to a rejoicing, miraculous resurrection party. But he doesn't jump right to the fix. Instead, he weeps with them. And it says, then the people said, look how deeply he loved him. He showed how much he loved them by sharing in their feelings. And the same is true with you. Jesus isn't unconcerned about your pain. He knows there's a resurrection thing coming. Uh, he knows how excited and joyful we're going to be, but he's willing to share in the pain. And he wants us to do the same thing. I mean, you know, as parents, often the solution to your kid's problem. But if you're going to listen so that kids will speak, you've got to listen to their feelings, not just fix their problems. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Uh, the T in listen stands for tune in. Tune in. And, and I think it's interesting that the word listen has a silent letter in it. The T in listen is silent. And I just think that illustrates how important it is uh, to be silent. Uh, you, you know, silent and listen have the same letters. And uh, the T in listen, it doesn't stand for talk. It stands for tune in to any fear or hurt beneath the words. And this is where the big payoff is in communicating with your kids. Because a lot of times your kids, especially your teens, the, the, they'll say one thing when they're feeling another. They'll say one thing when they're feeling another. And sometimes what they're saying is angry, offensive, even hurtful, because they're hurt. They're afraid. They're insecure. And so you've got to look past the anger and the angry words, and you've got to see the hurt, uh, the fear, or the frustration. It's a whole lot easier to deal with people when you know they're frustrated, hurt, or afraid than we just think they're angry. You know, we tend to respond to anger with anger. But we're sympathetic to people that we know are afraid or hurt or, or frustrated. We identify sympathetically with those things. Uh, we just get mad back at people who are angry. Uh, 1 Peter 3.8 says, Be sympathetic, loving each other like family, and be kind and humble. And so we've got we to resist the urge to return anger for anger, and you've got you to tune in, you've got to look past uh, the offensive and see uh, the hurt, the fear, the frustration. Be sympathetic, loving, kind, humble. Uh, look at Romans 15.2. Uh, it says, we must bear the burden. You know, it, we're, we're the ones who've got to bear the burden of their fear, uh, being considerate of the doubts and fears of others. I mean, it's not easy, but we're the ones. We need to bear the burden uh, of their fears, and we need to respond uh, to them uh, appropriately. So how do you find out what's causing their hurt, fear, and frustration? Well, the E in listen stands for engage them with open-ended questions. Engage them with open-ended questions. 
And open-ended questions are ones that require more than yes or no. They require more than a one-word answer. And, uh, you know, you can't get by with just a, a fine, you know, you've got to talk more. Proverbs 25 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. How do you draw out what's in a person's heart? Well, you do it with open-ended questions. And so I'm going to just give you a phrase that can help you draw information out of your child. It's almost a magic phrase. I mean, you start using this, it's, it's pretty amazing uh, what happens. It, it will help you become a master listener. And, and you just use it over and over with your kids. Use it with, uh, with your spouse. Uh, you know, here's the magic phrase. I write this down. Then what happened? You know, they tell you something, and then, then what happened? You know, you don't make a bunch of other comments, just then what happened? And every time you ask, then what happened, you're going deeper and deeper. You're, they're expressing more and more. They're telling you more and more of the story. And then you throw in a, well, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? And now you start hitting real pay dirt because now you're, you're engaging uh, with them at a deeper level. Uh, finally, the in in listen is never judge until you have all the facts. Never judge until you have all the facts. You know, your kids start talking to you about something, telling you about something that's happened, and you're going to feel some emotions. You know, you might start to feel hurt or afraid or frustrated. And so, you know, you, you can't start forming an attitude based on those emotions uh, if you don't have all the facts yet. And so God tells us, keep an open mind. Don't prematurely evaluate or prejudge someone or something. Don't think you know everything in advance. Uh, Proverbs 18, 13, and 15. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. And so, parents, the more you listen, the more you'll learn. Don't, don't judge till you have all the facts. Assumptions and presumptions uh, get us into trouble. So uh, I want to give you a homework assignment here for this week. And I, I want you just to go through this list, listen, and pick one. You know, there, there's too many here to do all at once. And so you just need to look through, the, okay, this is the one that, where I need to get better at it and just start working on it this week. Now, on the other side of your outline, we have how to speak so kids will listen. And the S stands for uh, save it for the best time and place. Save it for the best time and place. In life-shaping conversations, timing is everything. I mean, you can be prepared for a really good, you've had this happen, you, you, you're just ready for a really good conversation, but it happens at the wrong time and, and the thing just blows up on you. Uh, you know, you've got to save it for the best time and, uh, and place. Well, when's the best time? Well, it's not when you're at your best. It's when they're at their best. It's not the best time for you to share it. It's the best time for them to hear it. You know, kids are like clams. They're like clams. And, and, and kids open up, and then they close. And they open up, and they close. And the deal with kids is you never know when they're going to open up. So you can't schedule it. Thursday at 9 o'clock. No, it doesn't work that way. And so you just have to be ready so that when they open up, you're ready and you've got the opportunity and you're ready to take it. 
Uh, Solomon, wisest man in the world, says there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Times we need to listen, times we need to speak. And wisdom is knowing the difference. And so when you're waiting for the right time to come, you keep your eyes and your ears open, keep your mouth shut. Because there's a time to listen and there's a time to speak. Ecclesiastes 8.6 There's a right time and a right way for everything, even when a person is in trouble. And so, yeah, your kid may have done something wrong. They may be in trouble. But that doesn't mean that's necessarily the right time to deal with it. And so you, you, you've got to understand there's a right time, a right way to deal with everything. Uh, well, how do I know? How do I know when's the best time? Well, that's the P. You pray and plan. You pray about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. You plan what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Even Jesus did this. In John 12, 49, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And so Jesus, he didn't just speak from the top of his head. He listened to God. And his heavenly Father told him what to say and how to say it and even when to say it. And he'll do the same thing for you. He's your heavenly Father too. And so he'll help you. If you pray and ask him to help, if you plan, he'll tell you what he wants you to say, how to say it, and, and uh, you'll, you'll be ready when that clam opens up uh, with, with what you need to say. Colossians 4, 6 says, Everything you say should be kind and well thought out so that you know how to answer everyone. Look, look at that. Everything you say should be kind and well thought out. That way you know how to, how to address everybody. And uh, so you pray and you plan. Before you talk to the kid, you talk to God about the kid. And you come up with a plan. God, tell me the right time, the right place, the right way, uh, the right words to use when I say this. The E in speak is empathize with their needs first. Empathize with their needs first. You don't start with your agenda. Don't start with your concern, uh, with your issue. You start with them. What's their need? What's their hurt? What's their fear? What's their problem? Not yours. Start with them. Ephesians 4.29. Speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. You know, it's not a matter of, I just got to get this off my chest. <laughs> No, it's what do, they, what do they need to hear? He says the same, same thing four times in this verse, uh, hoping that we'll get the point. Uh, he says, speak only what's helpful. Speak only what builds up. Speak only according to their needs. Speak only what will benefit those who listen. You start with them. Y yes, you'll get to address your hurts, your needs at some point. You don't start there. You, 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 you start with them in a life-shaping conversation. And when you sit down for the conversation, you just open it up and then you just let them talk. Let them speak without, without interruption. You don't ask questions, you don't challenge, you don't correct, you don't clarify, you just, just let them go. And if you got questions, you don't stop them and ask them, you just write them down. You know, if you're writing questions down, they, they know you're listening, you're paying attention to what they're saying. And then... Uh, when they run out of gas, then you summarize what they said. You paraphrase back to them what, what they said. And that demonstrates that you heard what they said and you empathize uh, with their need. 
Because too often what happens is we, we don't listen to understand them. We listen so we can challenge or correct or, or critique what they've said. Or sometimes we just listen until it's our turn to talk. And, and that's not genuinely listening. We've got to listen uh, to empathize with what they say. And then when we speak, we, we speak to affirm the positive alternative. You affirm the positive alternative alternative. You've you got to be a proponent of what's right, not just an opponent of what's wrong. So you identify and you're in favor of what they're doing right, and not just critical of what they're doing wrong. And, and negativity is not an effective way to change people. It, to be effective, you've got to affirm the positive alternative. Study after study has shown that whatever you hold up, what, whatever people focus on, that's what they move toward. And so if you're just constantly holding up the negative and telling them what they're doing wrong, uh, for one thing, it's just defeating and, and it makes them feel lousy, but it doesn't change anything because they don't know what to move toward. They, they have no, no, uh, no target to hit. But if you accentuate and affirm the positive behavior, that motivates them to change. Show me what I can become. You know, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Don't reinforce the negative. Affirm the positive alternative. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. You know, anybody can just spew out facts. Uh, you know, anybody can share knowledge, but that doesn't mean the kid's going to be interested in it. So you've got to come up with a way to, to make this uh, appealing and attractive, to make knowledge interesting for them. Look at Proverbs 16.21. Uh, says, the wise are known for their understanding, and pleasant words are persuasive. Pleasant words are persuasive. So how do I make knowledge attractive? Three things, real quick. Uh, there's no blanks here. You'll just have to write this down. Number one, you want to share the benefits. Share the benefits. If you want your kid to change, you've got to explain why it's beneficial. Why it's beneficial to the kid, why it's beneficial to the family, why it's beneficial to everybody if they behave this way. How's it going to help your kids, short-term, long-term? Uh, next, if you're going to make it attractive, you've got to say it positively. Uh, you don't say it negatively. Uh, the more per pleasant your words, the more persuasive you are. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. If I'm offensive, they get defensive. And so you've got to keep it positive. And the third key to making knowledge attractive is you offer hope. Offer hope. Always offer hope in a conversation with a child. You know, one of the things that's happened to this current generation is, is we have robbed them of their hope. I was reading an article this week about, uh, about one of these Antifa guys in his early 20s out in, uh, in Portland uh, just destroying everything. And they asked him, you know, what was going on? And he said, all my life I've been told that the world is about to end. All my life, I've been told there's no hope. So who cares? You've got to offer kids hope or they become hopeless. And so you've got to give them something to look forward to. Here's the last one. Keep calm and don't argue. Keep calm and don't argue. You know, th they may say something that irritates you uh, to no end, something that triggers you. And you just got to keep calm and, and not argue. It's fascinating to me how quickly kids get real good at this. 
Kids get real good. They know what your hot button is. They know what the trigger is. And kids as little as two, man, they'll hit that button, they'll pull your trigger, and you'll go off like a rocket, and a two-year-old will stand there and just watch the show. <laughs> I did that. And they love it. You watch them. If, if while you're up there, look down, and you'll see they're loving this. They love to, they'll walk off smiling while you're just, you're just freaking out. And, and you, you can't do that. You've got to overcome that. Proverbs 17, 27. Those who are sure of themselves do not talk all the time. You know, if you're sure, insecure people talk too much. And people who stay calm have real insight. So, so don't, let, don't let your kid trigger you. Don't, don't get into this, you make me so mad mode. Instead, uh, stay calm, and then you'll have insight. You'll be able to figure it out, and you can offer, offer solutions and correction to them. So here's your homework. I want you to look over both lists. Pick one thing out of each list. It's a long list. You can't work on everything at once, but you can do this. You pick one, start working on it. You'll get better. Then keep the list, pick another one, start working on it. And seriously, you, you can become a, a great communicator with your kids. And uh, you can develop real skill at this. And then I want to encourage you also to, to identify an area where you need to have a crucial conversation with your kid. What's a, what's a conversation you need to have with them? And then start praying and start planning for that conversation. So that when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready. You pray about it. You plan for it. The right time, they open up, and God will give you the right thing to say and the right way to say it. Let's pray together. Father, I really want our families to be filled with great communicators. And I pray you'll help us to be better listeners and better speakers, even this next week. God, I, I would love for us to have healing conversations between parents and kids and to have some real breakthroughs, some real, real refreshing in our relationships because of our communication. And so I invite each of you just, just to pray, Lord, help me look at people with love in my eyes. Help me invest as much time as needed. Help me share what they're feeling and, and not my solution. Help me to tune in to any hidden hurt or fear beneath their words. Help me engage them with open-ended questions. And help me never judge until I have all the facts. And Lord, in speaking to my kids, uh, may I save my words for the best time and place. Help me pray and plan what to say and how to say it. And then empathize with their needs first and affirm the positive alternative for them. God, help me keep calm and not argue. And I recognize I, I can't do this on my own. It's just not how I'm wired up. But God, I want to, and this is how you want me to respond, and so I'm asking for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.